Welcome back to the Film Alchemist Podcast, the show where we take the movies we love, break them apart, to find out what gives them their magic. I'm your host, Josh Griffey, joined as always by my friend, co-host, and background photograph phantom, Alex Dandino. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I'll be questioning a lot of things. Nick Cage! No, I'm just kidding. That's not a ghost. That's... That's a decoration of Nicolas Cage. All right, guys, before today's just stellar, stupendous, outlandishly enjoyable episode, a little bit business. People, it is official. Your friends here at the Film Alchemist are on Patreon. That's right, patreon.com slash Pod. It's the absolute best way to help the show, guys. It's also the absolute best way to make sure that this show is exactly what you want and exactly what you deserve for as little as a dollar a month. And guys, believe me when I say every single dollar is greatly appreciated. You can get in, support the show, meet the community we're building, see what we're working on. As you climb the official Highlander tier ranking system, you can actually select the movies that you want to hear in a Patreon exclusive library. So, a lot of good benefits, guys. We're working on some cool new um, ideas, maybe some new little mini-series uh, and some other fun stuff, right? So that we can make sure that everyone who supports us is getting their money's worth. It means the world to us. To those of you who support us, thank you. For those of you who are about to, thank you as well. The Preach. email is filmalchemistpod at gmail.com. Make sure you go to YouTube. To see these uh, these beautiful faces that are so worth killing for, that's Film Alchemist on YouTube. Smash subscribe. I mean, just <laughs> lovely. Just lovely. Right? If you were going to design a honey dicker like Tom Hiddleston in the lab. What is happening? Probably mine and Alex's just frames. No. Some part of us could make it on the honey dick monster. Neither here nor there. Stop. <laughs> Make sure you go to social media. We're on all the socials you're on. Find us there. Uh, make sure, guys, something free, easy, and quick you can do that does help the show, believe it or not. Leave us a five-star rating and review wherever you find the show, including now Spotify. Help us defeat the algorithmic ghost of the past. Help us ascend. Uh, help us get a roof on our fucking mansion, guys. Yeah, Come on. Seriously. Come, Come on. Oh, right. Let's bury all that business in the shallow grave, right? The shallow red grave. Tonight, we continue our journey. Uh, our sojourn. On, yeah, our sojourn, right? For the fancy pansies. Tonight's a fancy pansy movie. Uh, yes, thank you. This month, the pod digs Del Toro. All Del Toro movies this entire month. We hope you guys enjoyed Kronos. Now we're moving on uh, to Crimson Peak. This movie was a fun one to go back and revisit, right? I remember being very hyped for this one. This was a kind of cool run where uh, a lot of these movies were coming out. Del Toro produced, right? Mama, uh, Don't Be Afraid of the Dark, I think. He had some really cool ones that had kind of some of his touchstones, but were not fully his. I remembered Crimson Peak. Not super fondly, right? It was not exactly the movie I think I was hoping for when I went in. It's probably the movie of all the Del Toro movies that I've seen this month that feels the least like a Del Toro movie 
again was how I remembered it. Going back to it again, um, I really fell for this movie this time. The things that didn't work for me the first time, based on maybe some marketing expectations, this, that, and the other. And again, having just seen Nightmare Alley in the theaters not too long ago, I think it's a really fun exercise to watch with this film. I was really loving what this movie was offering. It's just this wonderfully beautiful, you know, kind of Victorian era ghost story. Just some truly haunting moments in imagery, right? And it there's some of that Del Toro stuff that that felt a little missing from some of his other stuff, but it was also fun to see him branch out and tell a little bit different of a tale. Alex, opening thoughts on Crimson Peak. I remember you and I being really psyched about this. Like I remember Oh man. Every we, time he's got a movie coming whenever out. Whenever he's I'm got a movie coming pumped. out, I'm pretty pumped. But like I remember this one being like, oh shit, like when is the last fucking time we saw someone take a swing at gothic horror? Like like this too. Like I remember that first trailer just being Especially a when it's not banger. some version of a turn the screw. I was like, thank God. Yeah, no one's doing James <laughs> Joyce, which is really cool. This was um like, I remember Henry the first James. trailer, I was just like, and the poster felt like straight up hammer horror. Like, I'm like, this is going to be just all of my favorite stuff. Hammer about. horror is a good, a good visual analogy. That was always the, that was always the mindset I went in with was it was yeah. going to be a hammer horror movie. Like some sort of, not necessarily a, like some nod to hammer horror as much as Guillermo del Toro does nods to certain things. It met that expectation for me. I remember liking it a lot more than you did. Um, yeah. Watching it this time, I had the same vibe. I still like this movie a lot. I like that it's. I think what is I think what we're picking up on, and I think what we both note as being like less Del Toro, quote unquote, is that there's a level of fantasticness that almost is missing. It's it's replaced by this very gothic thing that has to occur and i think that's what always throws me in this movie is that because this is not because it doesn't feel like in the streets so to speak there's something very there's something very presentation yeah i think what didn't work for me is there is a coldness at the center of this film oh totally again sorry for the pun that's not the intention right but what it is, right? When you compare Are you saying it's missing Kronos, its soul? <laughs> no, it's just in the bathtub re-bleeding on itself. But it, <laughs> so I think this one feels very similar to Devil's Backbone in a lot mm -hmm. of ways to me, right? Not just the floating ghost wound, which is one of my favorite touches he does. Awesome. Um, that movie, though, has this really kind of wonderful child's journey, right? Kronos has this wonderful relationship at the core, right? Pan's Labyrinth, Shape of Water. I think the relationship between father and daughter in this one didn't congeal or manifest outwardly enough for me, right? So this, this again, has this kind of two-parter movie vibe, right? And so there is this protective father who's, you know, nurturing to this his daughter's dreams, He's very protective of her as this man descends upon her, this, that, and the other. As the movie goes on, though, her father's brutally murdered, right? And the ghost of his death doesn't seem to follow through the rest of the movie. It feels very disconnected as if 
it doesn't matter that much to her, so it doesn't matter that much to me. And I think that real emotional grounding yeah. is something that he ne- Del Toro never misses on. Now, what I would say this time is if when you make it deeper in the film, you see that that actually comes from Tom Hiddleston's character, right? Yeah, I think so. And so by the end of the film, there's real real grounding to that kind of thing that I'm always looking for with his movies. It just takes a long time to get there in this movie. Also, I'm going to say this up front because I like to get my my bad stuff kind of out of the way. Charlie Hunam. Hunam? Human? Hunam. But we all say we all say Hunam. I think he's a terrible actor. Right? Like I watch Sons of Anarchy like everyone else, and he's good in that show. Like he fits in with this kind of awesome mosaic cast. When you're watching this movie specifically, his his weaknesses are glaring. I think what's interesting it's funny you bring glaring. up Glaring. I think it's it's funny you bring up Charlie Hunnam, because like to me, yeah, I think he's it, and he's been good in other things. And I think yep. that's what's so mystifying about it is like, I've seen him good in other stuff like Sons of Anarchy. Sure. Um, the movie wasn't necessarily my favorite, but he was very good in The Gentleman. Like, there are movies that he understands. He this- is a, to let's go back to like a, an old sports ball reference, right? He can be on your offensive line and make the Pro Bowl, right? His name's he's, not selling the tickets. Yeah, he's your yeah, he's your he's your utility guy. Like yeah. this so to I me I mean these actors are fucking bringing yeah, it. Yeah, like that's the other thing Except too is like him. this is a cast is like Mia, Mia Wazakowska or however you say her last name, Wazakowska, um Tom Hiddleston and Jessica Chastain. Like and not only that, Jessica Chastain is doing this fucking incredible incredible performance and it's like this i don't know if you picked this up uh um the uh the the caretaker from uh the from uh, rebecca like mm-hmm. it's like she yanked that vibe from the hitchcock rebecca and just took that i can't remember what that lady's name is right now and i feel like a fucking asshole for not remembering i'm gonna have to look it up before we welcome to pop. my brain all the time no i mean i i think so there is a moment when Occasionally, we cut away from our tail and have to watch Charlie Hunnam. There's a scene that's so fucking Mrs. funny. Mrs. Danvers. Mrs. Danvers. Yeah. That's what it is. It's so funny because there's a scene when, like, Charlie Hunnam's just like, you know what? Sherlock Holmes was also an optometrist. I'm going to look into this. I was like, wait, what? And there's a scene when he goes into the, the, the fucking uh, jerk-off chamber. It's a masturbatorium. Yeah, the masturbatorium. <laughs> we'll, we'll discuss that in a minute. Uh, where Pappy got his face just fucking pounded into this porcelain, right? The sink shatters, mm-hmm. blood falls out, whatever. Charlie Hunnam's version of detecting is to go back in and he just runs oh his God. finger across the top of a sink. <laughs> I was like, that's not even the same fucking sink. There's no forensics. They cleaned it all. And I was just like, every time we had to watch him on screen... It was a struggle. All right, so enough of that. Not to bury Charlie Hunnam, you know, right? I don't need his again, ghost. He's a fine around. actor. It's interesting though, because this is this movie was the one that came after Pacific Rim for Guillermo del Toro's yeah. filmography. He and works better in a Pacific Rim. 
he is, but I also do not think he is a strong action Pacific Rim either. No. And then, well, this is the thing, though, right? This movie specifically is one of those movies that actors want to get in, right? Yeah. Like Del Toro. And they you, they get to do some work in this movie. Yeah. In Charlie Hunam's defense, Hunam. Hunam? Hunam? Just say Hunam. Or Charlie Hunam. Hunam. Whatever you want to say. Charlie Hunam. His character is written to be the most boring, lame guy in the movie, yeah. right? He's the worst cock block of all time. Like, sure. he's just like, he's he's trying real hard, but it's not going to happen. He's trying. He's opining. He's never going to have the magic. Not Very gonna. much like the leading lady, we are uninterested in him and want to run into Tom Hiddleston's presence. Fine. All right. Enough of that. I do think this opening worked for me though right because again this is something comparable to nightmare alley which i hope we'll be covering uh for this month but nightmare alley is a two movie connection right they Mm -hmm. do the opening half and then the second half two disparate kind of tales that bond together right i do wonder if the start of this movie was a little bit long at times um, cause again, I, I found it to be much more enjoyable this time. That was kind of one of the exercises I was doing this time. Right. I think it's a problem, especially in a lot of horror movies is we go in with a very, very specific preconceived notion of what we expect they're going to be. Right. We want the fucking scares and we want it to be scary and horrifying. And that means something different to everyone. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think a movie like this, that's not exactly what they were playing at, right? No. I so the opening so bothered me more before. It really didn't this time. It was it was kind of charming. I do think maybe you could have scaled it back a little, right? Yeah. I think this is the charm this is this is the real magic of Guillermo del Toro movies. Is like like my wife, as I'm sure everybody on this podcast knows at this point. My wife does not watch horror movies when I start watching. Like the month of October, I almost never see her because we're we're in the middle of watching these movies. Um, this movie though, like she gets amped for Guillermo del Toro movies. Like she was yeah. psyched to go to the theater for this. She loved, but this is be and this is the trick, and this is why he's so good at this is because whatever he's deciding to do with the with the horror genre, and it, it trickles into every single movie he's done. It never crosses this. Li- it never crosses this threshold of like unbearable to watch for like, mm-hmm. quote unquote, the normies like my wife. You know, like yeah. Crimson Peak does that really well because again, it leans so hard into this hammer horror, and this. Um, it starts off in a really. It starts off in a really creepy place like i think that's the creep factors way up at the very beginning it's yeah like, I and you know what's funny this love. one has some hardcore bits oh there's some it. hardcore there's some hardcore horror, again, like, I, like I think, violence in this i think your point though right is that we we as an audience have learned to trust that the horror in a del toro movie is used to accentuate real human emotional touchstones the most right? important thing about Guillermo del he's del toro not getting us that, in there to make us gag right people like, he's really taking us somewhere. it's what we've always said people are the real horror in yeah. in, in in the world and guillermo del toro knows yeah. that so he you know but that's okay, what he so does. this one starts right with this you know this lily white albino like woman in this fucking white <laughs> storm with some blood on her hands right classic right. image you know i know that ghosts are real this much i know right and then um you know mom's dead whatever right 
until the night she came. How back. fucking good is that beef? That holy oh, shit. That scene. I forgot about that. Scared the fucking shit out of me. I was watching yeah, it at man. one o'clock in the morning in my house, and I was like, I might have to go to bed. That scared me really bad. And see, again, this is one of those things I didn't appreciate on the first viewing. Is that what I love about this scene in Microcosm is what this movie specifically is really good at that I didn't credit it for. You watch that scene and it is fucking scary, man. Oh, yeah. We've dude. all done that. And this would, Someone told me this, too. They're like, how could you watch those fucking scary movies? You're not scared? I'm like, oh, bitch, I'm terrified. Like, when I'm downstairs and I turn the lights off, I run up the stairs because who knows yep. what's behind me. In exactly. the oh, totally. Me, too. Right? I, do it all I the close time. all my doors because I don't like deep shadows. Like, I'm fucking scared as shit when I go to bed. But I like that. It's the same reason. Like, why do you get your curry with, like, the extra hot number so you can impress me? Even though your butthole's gonna fall out later, right? Oh, you like you like the pain. I like the pain too. It's fine. But this this is a really fucking scary scene, right? This ghost of a mom coming down the hall for her child, right? Beware the crimson peak. What you don't realize, right, is that the movie starts at the end, right? Which is another thing I don't love that he pulls off again in this movie. That ghost, right? That's a mother who's recently died trying to crawl into bed and protect and snuggle and be intimate yeah. with the daughter she loved and lost and Again, warn her. It's this disarming. That's fucking brilliance. I mean, yeah, he just. I love it's, that beat. It's the it's the inverse of the beat. Yeah. Like it's it's what every other director would do. And then Guillermo del Toro. Like right. that is what what makes looks movie monstrous awesome. is actually this really heartfelt. Moment. <laughs> and what's funny is because when does. Tom Hiddleston gets closer, right? When he hides in the rain for dad to leave and then says, hey, you want to come fucking candle dance with me? <laughs> uh, red flag. Throw it. Throw the challenge. Red flag. That scene has the mom returning, right? When she's right. like, oh, I don't want to go out to a party. I just want to sit with my books. And I was like, relatable as fuck. Um, especially nowadays, right? In the COVID era, this this decision slaps. Um, the ghost reappears, right? And this one has a more crass kind of jump scare bullshit thing we were doing at that time where she comes through the... And it's this horrible sound. And it's... I think that's the weird thing. There are just a couple weird moments in this movie to kind of pull you out. Because I was like, that's so below Del Toro. That's And I know this is something that... This has become like a film Twitter thing that people want to say, like, actually, hot take or uh, jump scare, jump scares are good. And I was right. like, hey, man, nothing is ever an absolute, right? Or yeah. there's some what jump scares that are fantastic, right? Exorcist 3, sure. Sure. If you had to say the vast majority of them are good, right? I would say no. Let's say I had you eat 100 turds, right? One of them might be full of a bunch of peanut M&Ms. And you're like, that one's not as bad. Come on. Come on. Anywho, I mean, I, that I mean, moment I'd go for, was, like, how was many not times as good. Have, how many times have you and I seen an Insidious movie and literally it's just jump scare after jump scare? Like, Oh, I mean, I watched Annabelle Creation with Amy the other day, right? Because when my brother comes over, he wants to watch scary movies that are big budget productions, right? Like he has a very specific thing. He's not trying for indie stuff. He doesn't want any, like, deep messaging. Right. He wants the bigger budget. We know that, you know, we're bringing the things, right? So the Conjuring universe ago. When you watch a Conjuring movie, it almost can't work anymore. Because you know it's empty space. It's a little too quiet because they're about to try to explode my eardrums with sound. Right. 
And for Del Toro to put that one in, I was like, that's repulsive. Like, you're better than that. Then it dawned on me, right? The mother's really frantic in this moment mm-hmm. because the monster is in the fucking home now. Yeah. And so it's one of those, you're like, even the things that bothered me the first viewing, I saw some behind. Because I'm like, how can you do that first scene so brilliantly? And then that scene is so abrasive. Oh, because she's an alarm clock now, right? Like, now she's sounding the alarm, right? The guard dog barking it, you know, at the moon, right? Instead of just like a, hey, you know, 20 years down the road. Or I don't know. People age really weird back then. She might be 14 years old in this movie for all I know. Um, But, yeah. So, again, I think it's just all congealing a lot nicer this time around, right? Yeah. I mean, it's just – I'm sorry. I don't disagree (laughs) <laughs> like i i liked the movie the engine that makes this show work is bickering alex god damn I, I know and this is well like i didn't have this is the difference between you and i when we watch these kinds of movies because like i hate jump scares like movies for me are scary enough like getting me to jump 10 feet in the air because like or like shit my pants out of fear i, I don't like that is not something in the cards for me no. necessarily but, like, this, and it's weird. Maybe it's because it wasn't constant. And maybe that's what it is. Because it's not something I – it's subverting expectations again because I'm not expecting it from Del Toro. It made it actually scary. And, like, not only that, it was, like, a great payoff scare. Like, I think – like, the first time I think about, it, like, when the fucking red ghost rams in the door. And, again, man, it's fucking Doug Jones. Like, he is, like, the greatest – like one of my like one of the all-time great chameleon actors but like rams into the door and then like you see that like the when it's like just oh, i can't even like if you have the like the video feed doesn't do it justice where it's just traipsing trying to like pull itself out of the floor that scared the fucking shit out of me in the yeah. theater and i'm like that is terrifying and it's not yeah. just like i mean it's great creature design but it the sense of foreboding that it causes because we already know, okay, we're going to this big fucking mansion that's literally sinking into the earth. You're like, obviously, <laughs> like, move. What's wrong with you guys? Move. Yeah. Let's go. There it, is the one great scene at the start that we didn't really talk about, right? As we brush by the, like, setting up the obligatory, right? Oh, right. he's got a secret past, right? Oh, me thinks these two probably fucks each other, these brothers and sisters, right? <laughs> I know I'm not an optometrist, so solving mysteries is not my hobby. That one was pretty fucking obvious to see right away. Right. But um, when Pappy gets fucking annihilated in the masturbatorium, that was hard. That was gross, dude. Yeah, so that was a graphic fucking murder with this sink, right? Uh, Just beat. Again, I was a little confused. I'm like, so does he wake up and go somewhere to shower? And stand around all half naked asking for papers and bagels. I guess Is this I assumed, in his own home? I guess I assumed, and stay with me here, apparently rich whites, um, just, they get to go anywhere and get nude. Yeah. So. Is this like, if you pay more than $30 a month at LA Fitness, can I get the masturbatorium yeah. pass? This is like, if you pay... <laughs> Well, this isn't even L.A. Fitness. This is like one. This is like a golf club. This is like well, like, like a real L.A. Fitness, right? Not like the real, mass chain. This is like a real like this is like the original L.A. Fitness, you know, yeah. like it's very, very fancy. 
A little eyes wide shut, hamstrings to the sky. Yeah. For all you non-rich whites that live in, don't live in Brentwood, this is pretty much where they live. This, 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 this is their bread and butter. If you're listening to us, you don't have a masturbatory pass either. We're of the <laughs> peeps. Uh, but that leads to the scene I, I really like, right? Like, there is, because I kind of shit on the fact that that relationship didn't congeal for me enough. The scene when she has to identify his body. Ooh is tragic that's right awful, and not man. only but the the line that he has in there i love right when he, charlie hoonam's like i'm an eye doctor i better get in here and look at these wounds and it's like dude get the fuck out of here what a weird way to think you're gonna fucking coerce his daughter into the marriage bed like what are you doing and she just is like stop stop like you know he's a fucking person still and she holds his fucking hand right and she just goes why is his hand so cold and that line gutted me, right? So I do take back my the, – the relationship didn't matter. I feel like it didn't carry it, on as much. That moment was this is great. The, I, but see, I got what you were saying with that. It doesn't right. matter. What it is is like it is – it's a footnote to the characters. It's a footnote in the exposition to give the character – to give Mia Wasikowska's character the depth, Edith, the depth to move forward. So she's like – been faced not only with tragedy like we've already seen like the the haunting of her mother she's mm-hmm. faced with the tragedy of now her father like her father's gone too like there's a very specific toll it's supposed to take on her so it makes her more susceptible in a way almost to this very handsome pale gallivanting fellow who just shows up and sweeps her off her feet yeah <laughs> just the old the old candle dancer right? the He's old one here. too yeah oh god so, yeah, so they end up, they we cut now to the second half of the movie. And this is where this movie is fucking pure magic yeah. to me. Right? I got to say, yeah, I remember this. Is the, my big complaint in the theater it's was. It's not the Arendelle, ex- right? That's fucking frozen. No, Wherever this house it's, is. It's uh, Allerdale Hall. Allerdale. <laughs> that was always my oh! biggest concern when I was in the theater. Like, when we left, I told Andrea, I was like, that was oddly clunky exposition to get us to the house. Yeah. Like, I remember thinking that I'm leaving the theater. I'm like, for being something that I needed to know to get to the house, a lot of that is stuff you can just like cut out. Yeah. But it's in there. It works. It's weird because he's laying breadcrumbs right. I like yeah, the thing about totally. like I, you have the softest hands of any man I know. Mm-hmm. You know this this movie does brilliant with you know like the props and the the colors right, the ring and I mean they're laying out the pieces. It's just especially now that you've seen nightmare alley where, where the two, the the opening and the second are so distinct from each other, mm-hmm. but they're used to such insane effect, right? That the opening of the film, I remember sitting in the theater being like, wow, this is kind of like, this is going for it, man. Like yeah. this is long. I'll tell that story. when We cover the pod about the fucking teenagers. They, you know, got wild in there. But then by the end, you're like, holy shit, the payoffs are just, powerful mm-hmm. i don't know that i felt that way about this one but once you get to the house wonderful right so you've got this snow covered vista right where he's got his little shovel machine and it's bleeding red through the snow right this cool imagery i was startled at the start of the movie i remember seeing this in theater and just looking around <laughs> i was like are we not going to address that leaves are just falling in the foyer like, are we just not, oh. wait, what, wait, 
it was it took me a minute to like get settled in to the atmosphere of the house with no roof I, on it right because she I left her the, fucking mansion to go to this mansion right I thought it's a wonderful set thing. piece but it was like it was yeah it was like this again i thought the same <laughs> thing i'm just like we're not gonna address that this house is falling down or is that like part yeah. of the charm or what's the deal here it was it is strange because you're like dude she i don't know i know you guys have this plan kind of but like she got a mansion yeah, just go live with her. She got the keys to the masturbatory. Bring, bring your creepy <laughs> Mrs. Danvers sister, and they'll, she'll be fine. She'll be very happy. Yeah. She can stay in the fucking cheek-beating quarters, right? <laughs> and play her peony. <laughs> well, everyone else is just happy having a roof. But that's so, neither here nor there. So when we get to this phase, right? Yeah. Uh, let's talk about the ghosts real quick. Okay. I love the ghost in this film. Me too. Right? It's an it's the awesome idea design. that they are because I like the kind of more, you know, incorporeal ghost, right? Like little faint images. Hmm? The idea that they are essentially hollow man, Kevin Bacon, <laughs> but for the blood from the wounds that caused them to die mm-hmm. is fucking cool, man. Yeah. I was like, I don't know that I'd seen that exact ghost design. It I was hadn't. awesome, it was man. Great. And, in that bathtub, right, with the fucking meat cleaver in the head, that that's one really was freaky to me. <laughs> that that one got stuff, me. like everything about these creature designs in the house, in particular, like, the skeleton, like the the murdered skeletons in the house. I don't know about you, but everything about it was just. This was the part where I was like, "This is straight up, like, gothic horror stuff." Like you would have seen this. Like a much less gruesome effect in like a Vincent Price movie or one of the Hammer horrors. Like it's a really specific look, and I think that was the part that was where I was just starting to get pulled right into the movie. Like oh man, warts and all, I was just fucking obsessed. Yeah, so I was like, if we get more of that, this is gonna be awesome. Yeah, and it's it's twofold, right? Because he he tells us right up front, right, that ghosts are uh, metaphors for the past, right? She talks about writing her novella. So we kind of know what he's doing. And it's this wonderful thing where they are creepy and scary. But Jessica Chastain is so much creepier than everything else in the movie. Dude. It's it's this wonderful journey. And it, it has this, the way they're unfurling the mystery upon us, right? Not that any of it is hard to see coming. But no. I don't I don't always think a mystery has to be. Oh, it's so clever. I couldn't find it out. No, no. When I get the clue, I want to have that, oh, like that moment, right? Like, right. that's awesome. I think this is what makes Crimson Peak special is that there's nothing about what's happening. There's nothing about the proceedings of the mystery, quote unquote, that aren't, nothing is shocking me. Like, I don't sit there and go, did not see that coming. Yeah. Like. Every single thing that happens is a telegraph pass, and I don't have a the problem. The only with it person who was least less shocked when she saw the siblings fucking than me was Jessica Chastain's character. Yeah. That's the only person who was less upset by that moment but, than me because I knew it was coming, right? But like even stuff like Enola, the ring, yeah, they just had these really great little payoffs, and that's Honestly, all you want from a mystery. And it's all you it's all you should expect, but more importantly, like all of the things that this movie is paying tribute to, if you've seen these movies, if you've seen this iconography, 
hey, you know exactly where it's going, and that's what I think was what makes Crimson Peak. And maybe this goes to the point of what sort of hollow at the center of it is that maybe because I know the reference, I know like I feel I can feel the reference coming through the through the celluloid. Like I know what's happening. Maybe that's what it is that's kind of kicking the tires against the grain for me because like for me i probably would have been more invested had i not understood all the referencing because like jessica chastain is clear jessica chastain and like enola the enola beats are very much reminiscent of um hitchcock's rebecca not even the movie not even the book but like the very specifically hitchcock's rebecca like she even has like jet black hair like mrs danvers in the movie and then the rest of it is so referential, but still really good. It's still Guillermo del Toro, but maybe that's what it is. Is like, I feel like Guillermo del Toro, del Toro is telling us how much he loves these things, and not how much he loves the story itself. Maybe that's what it is. See, I the the references. I I bought into this as its own world, right? It's this beautiful little enclosed, open top sure. mansion, right? Sure. Yeah. So I bought into all of that, and I. I think that's just one of the things, right? When you make a true ghost story, ghosts are, are, to his point, right, are all about looking backwards, right? And to be haunted by a ghost or to be scared of a ghost normally requires an emptiness, right? Mm-hmm. In a weird way, the people that are being haunted and scared by ghosts are also seeking that ghost out. It's It's... That's kind of the game, right? That something's missing with them, and so they can find some greater meaning through these ghosts, right? And I think just the the amount that when her and Tom Hiddleston are together, it gives me no sparks. I know he's a murderer or a diddler or worse. So, like, that does nothing for me, right? That plays ominous. I'm like, this fucking honey dick here, you know. <laughs> This guy's doing something I don't like. This right? guy's this guy's not up to the, this guy's up to this, no good. This guy up up to no good, man. I'm not I'm not a fan of this honey dick, right? <laughs> so like, there's nothing there, right? Shut up, baby dick. Yeah, him and Chastain definitely not into whatever's happening there, right? Because once they're like, we're brothers and sisters, I was like, woo boy. There we go. I thought this was the one mystery that I was like, that would have been cool. I thought the Enola trunk was gonna be her trunk because she had the key. And they were going to open it up, and it was just going to be like nipple clamps and Tom Hiddleston's gym suit. You yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> like, you were expecting, you were yeah. expecting like the, you were expecting like the hell, the people the hell, under the, the stairs all puzzle box. <laughs> she just all of a sudden puts it on, ties her ball gag in nice and tight, and just gets her whooping butcher knife or whatever. Like it's go time, <laughs> like whatever. You know that's what I. Neither here nor there, right? It was a great payoff when it happened, right? Ghost Pringle cans that tell us, you know, audio stuff. Great. That's all good. And I think that's the thing, though, right, is these are just rich people sitting in a fucking cold house. Um, And I don't I think as an audience member, I never know There's... which way is up. Right. Like, who am I rooting for? I know Enola is I'm assuming at the end, Enola's not going to get fucking got. So it it just has this. I mean, Edith. Edith, what did I say? Anola's the Anola's fucking the, yeah. the, the gimp suit. Yeah, Anola's the gimp suit. Anola's the is... safe word. I got it. Yeah, but you know what I mean. So I'm watching it, and again, I don't think movies have to have this kind of treadmill thing where they're just pushing me forward. Sure, but even in a movie where you know some movies, 
just kind of meander and want us to ponder and take an imagery. Great. I didn't even know what to ponder, right? Like I wasn't, I knew the ghosts were going to be manifestations of like past crimes in this most obvious haunted of houses, right? Right. I knew these two were pieces of shit. I knew she was getting poisoned. And I assumed that the fucking world's lamest detective, right? Cardboard Holmes was on his way. Speaking of cardboard so, Holmes, it was the one part of the movie I was very relatable was when he walked into the middle of Allerdale Hall and goes, the fuck's going on in here? Like he literally looks up and we're like, thank you. Someone is acknowledging the fact you know, that there's okay. snow falling. You want to know the moment that killed me is when, uh, fucking chastain has her oh up God, in the I know room exactly what you're gonna and say she's gonna make her fucking sign the thing and right in front of her she reads the first page of her book and just goes Psh, you thought you were a writer and i just go oh my god Ooh. ouch i was like that's the most vicious murder she gets yeah. who needs a who needs a knife or fire yeah. what was it fire thorn who needs any yeah. poison berry tea when you got that fucking sick burn jeez yeah just butcher knife me right in the face in a hot a hot bath instead of glancing over my work and just shitting upon it uh that was so <laughs> i knew you were um, gonna bring it up i'm so yeah. happy you brought that scene up but i think that's the thing right is i didn't my my heart and mind didn't know what to do other than sit back and just be like wow look at this movie it is a visual feast, yeah. And I think that's the difference when you compare to Kronos, Shape of Water, um, you know, Pan's Labyrinth, his best movies, right? Mm -hmm. Operate on both. This one kind of sinks down. Now, the thing they try to slide in, right? Uh, again, no pun intended, right? The old salami they're trying to slide in is when they get snowed in at the, uh, the old fucking depot. <laughs> And so beneath all these the this hay and the the early workers, place. yeah, uh, they get to spend a night away from the house, man. And, you know, we just start pounding, right? Yeah. Like, we're good now. We're pounding, right? It's a warm atmosphere. They have a roof, right? Even a basement with a roof is better. They got, they got a, the heat of a fire. They got the heat of just those fucking never it's seen just, the sun, pasty white cheeks. Just feasty loins. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And there's this moment of actual human warmth, right? Mm -hmm. And they talk, you know, a little bit about her writing her stories, and and it's it's lovely, right? Like that's that's kind of a nice moment. And then we cut to, and this is like one of the little exchanges I fucking loved, right? Is they're sitting there getting out of the cart. When Hiddleston gets her out, right? We're not looking down on the fucking blood-colored snow. It's like an upward shot, right? Mm -hmm. They look big and happy. Hiddleston's smiling, right? She runs in the house. And uh, Jessica Chastain is on one. Yeah. Right? She can fucking smell the sex smells. Because this is the old time, right? I'm guessing the fucking Barn Depot didn't have a nice shower system. Yeah. Something tells me it's quite something tells me it's quite pungent. Yeah. On that fucking cold air too, it probably traveled, right? As soon as the fucking rickety gate opened. She <laughs> eggs and eggs and oh God. The love of my life. <laughs> right? She's just a, just a bloodhound. <laughs> <laughs> Those weren't the only eggs getting scrambled last night. Jesus H. I gotta handle this, right? And she smashes the fucking thing, right? 
Yeah. So again, we know we know the fucking jig is up. We know what's going on, but it's wonderful. And there, that so that's a nice little emotional moment. I will say, I liked Hiddleston going back in the room to try to let her out. Right. Hmm. I don't know if the groundwork was laid that he actually fell madly in love for this woman. I know they did the, you know, that that, they got laid at the the depot. I feel like that is the maybe the the missing thing I was looking for. This is the part that's very like for me, like pride and prejudicey, and you're just like, all right, cool. I guess they're in love now. Like I'm just got it. All right, Mr. Darcy over there is just gonna walk down the. Walk through the hills and take what he take what he pleases, but like that, I yeah, I, I agree. Like there, but again, you're so entranced by the movie at that point, you're just sort of yeah. again, you're just accepting of the reality. Like yeah, if you and I had taken five seconds, to go, hang on a second, this doesn't happen. But is it really is the is the meat really that sweet to just be like all you, both you guys just like let's let's be let's be together? It can't be. But I mean, when you've is. only known... When you've only known one flesh, I guess. I guess. Or, it's a fiery, hot flesh. But either way, uh, the... <laughs> this is this is what I mean, though. I would have liked to have seen some moments, right? Because they do this thing where, like, he's like, Oh, my fucking, you know, Tinker, my, my well, Tonka truck toy is working. wants his shit. He yeah, and he goes, hey, I can't wait for... Uh, her to see it and she goes her no no we did this me and you so like they try to hint at you know when he does the little guy that eats the ball and it comes out the toy right yeah i feel like they tried it's just that tom hiddleston playing like a a walking ghost boy yeah and knowing right away that this is only nefarious in nature i would have loved to have seen somewhere in there them to have more of those actual warm moments right that they're the campfire keeping the dark at bay yeah and it I mean, never quite felt that way i mean i'm not saying it's a flaw of the film per se but i think that kind of stuff could have helped because at the end when he goes back in the room right and he's mad he's like you won't have her right i love her there's this wonderful moment with jessica chastain right when he burns the contract you burned it right she got stabbed in the tit with the pen yeah that her dad gave her and there was a weird close-up, too, when she didn't put it back in the case. And he's like, what? Like, mm, oh, my God. I got to think about this at the masturbatorium. Later. And uh, she ends up stabbing that bitch with it, right? It was awesome. When he comes back in, he burns her contract, right? They won't mm-hmm. steal her money. She's like, you burned it. Oh, oh. And he's talking, right? You won't do this. You won't do that. And he starts spinning this yarn, right? We can just fucking leave this shithole, right? We've been bonded here we've been stuck here anchored by the chains of our crimes and sins we can leave we can start again and you see this moment where jessica chastain is buying in she's like all right all right i got my brother you know uh i'm winnie the pooh he's the honey dick it's worked out well so far (laughs) right we'll go out we'll fucking live somewhere with sunlight so both of us won't be the same color as jason Voorhees at the end of friday the 13th We'll make this work, right? We're on our fucking way. And then he goes, we can all be happy together. Yeah. And the moment she knows it's that he actually loves her, right? She, you promised you'd never fall in love. And he goes, but I did. 
She fucking because that has one of those gnarly graphic moments. She fucking slides the knife into his right ch- there. Oof. Whoa. Woof. That was that was tough to watch in the theater. That's hard. I remember being like, I I remember being like, and what does Tom Hiddleston that? not do? Fighter. No, he doesn't fucking fight. Man. It's this. It's a so really... there there is wonderful. Again, I feel like I'm contradicting myself. There is wonderfully powerful moments of emotion in this film. I don't think you're contradicting yourself at all. Like, yeah, it, it, the movie itself is this movie itself is a fucking firecracker of an emotional journey. Like, while some things might seem unearned, that scene particularly is the most earned of any emotional payoff. Because you get constant movie. sex tension from those two the entire right. movie. And you realize that, <laughs> and I think that, and again, this is like Del Toro tricking us is like, there is this like sex, uh, for obvious reasons, there's this sex tension. What you realize that it actually is, is this like, kind of like murder suicide tension almost. Like it's, it's this very uncomfortable thing where it's like the, it's so parasitic at that point. And that I think is probably the most like, cause then, you know, once she stabs him, she's unhinged. Like she goes after Edith and you get that great. I mean, you get like, I think probably one of the great endings of a ghost story. I like, I fucking love that reveal of him as the ghost. Like it's, it's oh. one, I mean, and it's again, one of it's my, got the fucking and the like bloods just sort of like, man, that is I so fucking cool. Love that. So cool. You know why that one is so cool too? Because we're doing our classic chase around, like, fucking wiggle and knife thing. Yeah. And uh, when she sees her, right? Because mm-hmm. Jessica Chastain's character keeps saying, right, I will never fucking will stop coming. Never stop coming. You have to kill me. When she turns around and gets hit with the shovel, right? She's on her knees. When she says it again that time, I'll never stop. You have to kill me. She is begging her. Yeah. She's saying to bash her head in with that shovel because she wants to be with him with him. Yeah. Right. Because she knows that she can once again have him. And in a really kind of sinister way, knows she can have him to herself. Mm -hmm. And it's just that that is the extra wonderful meanings that I, you know, I guess I'm spoiled. I always come to expect from his movies. Yeah. Um, And so those payoffs are are fucking wonderful, man. Um, and again, the movie is just, by the time you get outside it too, the snow with the red ground and the red ring against black dresses. I mean, the colors of this movie. It's visually are incredible. Luscious. Yeah. Lush. It's fucking luscious. It, the visuals. And again, like in a movie oh, like fuck. this. We forgot another horrifying thing we found out. They had a baby together this brother and sister because one of the ghosts that really fucked me up in this movie was the lady holding the ghost baby yeah when you hear that cry it's one of those sounds you're like why is that in the house with no roof why is that in the leaf house what the fuck's happening you go out and floating (laughs) in this open air is this lady's body and a baby blood baby i forgot about that oh and it's horrifying and i think she says later because this was a great line i wrote it down right she's like he was born wrong right and that's why i think they're saying that they killed their own baby right right um 
And she said, this is kind of the way I think of this movie, though, right? And why maybe it's a little colder intentionally. Um, and she says, this kind of horror is for love. This love burns and maims and hurts. It's a monstrous love, right? Right. That makes monsters of us all. And I think that's the difference for me, right? Is that this is not love. This is monstrous love. Yeah. When you love something so much that you bring its image back from the grave, mm -hmm. or when you love something so much that you actually do come back from the grave, you love something so much you will destroy anything that gets near to what you love and, you know, smother it by not letting it fly. Right. That was a that was a that's a good summation of what this is. Yeah, I mean it's the misnomer of mistaking obsession for love. Yes. And that is like that I think is like the that to me is the crux on which the Crimson Peak is built. <laughs> because like there's a lot of that in this movie. And that's what I think makes the gothic horror aspect of it so much more engaging. Where like you're right, like you're right, like it could be it is a little standoffish. And it is the sort of weird thing where you're not fully understanding why it is like that. But I really do think what it boils down to is it's a true gothic horror. Like it's a true true guy like it's supposed to be gothic romance although i cannot surmise the romantic aspects of some of this movie i mean it's there it's a monstrous romance though right <laughs> it is it is this it's like this obsessive cult cultish yeah. romance it's it's more uh it's more of an ass paddling romance than like uh you know we're gonna go courting in the yeah, woods kind that's of a good romance. point yeah yeah it's a little more it's far stricter it's it's very buttoned up yeah. Again, a lot of high collars in this movie, so you're going to see a lot of people who've not had really cool sex in a long time. <laughs> uh, thankfully, it's cold. I will say this. When I get weirded out by people in old movies like this having sex based on hygiene and smell stuff, yep. I was like, at least it's cold, so your eight layers are helping you. True. Um, I still, still think about the fact that would. toilet paper. I still can't believe that we exist as a species, right? It's pretty They're impressive. Like, our ancient relatives are just like, smells be damned. Let's get it on. Um, maybe back then they just weren't treating themselves, right? And they showed they had the the masturbatorium, so some people were treating themselves, getting showers on the rig. Someone was getting lotions and potions. Yeah, but like imagine our ancient ancestors. Like, God, I've been out hunting and gathering for days, and the fucking pheromones and stench. Yeah. The no toilet paper, right? The disease. No toilet paper, just all fecal. kinds of butt mud just cracked up there. Oh, that the just smells from the teeth, right? The no floss. Yeah. Um, and then just being like, mm, get oh it my on. God, is that is that Grolk? Did he do something <laughs> with his his dreadlocks and beard? My goodness. Oh my God. Oh. Oh, oh my God. Oh. Is he wearing the loin of a freshly slaughtered man? Did you see mammal? that one tooth Ooh. rotted directly out of his face? My goodness. <laughs> when that one falls out, keeper, keeper, right? Our ancestors just, they what? plowed through literally. What has this descended? They into? plowed the earth at each other to make way for us to give birth to the technologies that gives us Crimson Peak. So, hey, good on you. What a movie, though, man. I mean, yeah, really. It, it, this is the thing, though, right? Is I think. I can look back and understand why I did not love it when I first saw it. And I think the testament to some movies, right, is when you give them a second watch, you know what you didn't like, and you go in and you essentially get a 
argue against yourself, right? And be like, no, 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 right. this is working. And I, I think a really good movie like this can stand a little scrutiny at the start. And then once your expectations are set, you go back in and you find all of these wonderful things you missed before. So I was actually really happy to get a go back and rewatch this movie. Because it is, I think you said it earlier, right? By the end, whatever's happening, you're just so visually captivated by this movie. Um, it's something, man. I, I, I really loved it watching it again today. One quick casting note. Do you know who the original um, Edith and uh, Thomas Sharp were? They had to drop out of production. Let's see. Johnny Depp? No. It didn't make sense, but I was like, he's got like ghostly features. It's two thousand. Uh, Winona Ryder. Okay, it's not 1992. Oh, is she shoplifting? Yeah, I'm just recasting. It's not, it's not 1992. Right. You're just recasting. I think it's 2015. Mid 2000. So, I'm trying to think of who was at Woodstock '99. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Kid Rock and the lead singer of Evanescence. I don't know. Close. It would have been uh, Benedict Cumberbatch and Emma Stone. Was Benedict Cumberbatch a thing by that point? He, he was, was probably on, Sherlocking. He was then. on the rise. He was Sherlocking for sure. Okay. And I Interesting. Think he, he, he and, was like Sherlocking about a year no. away from being Doctor Strange. Uh, I like this better, man. I like this cast a lot better. I, I think Tom Hiddleston is integral to what yeah. this movie does. Agreed. Not only His that, haunted sexiness is very important in making this I work. cannot imagine another actress besides Jessica Chastain doing that. No, that one is She's unassailable. fucking untouchable, she man. rocks this fucking movie, yeah. man. Uh, yeah, it's just, it's just good, it's, man. It's just good. I loved it. That's it for Crimson Peak. That's not it for the Pod Digs Tell Toro Month. We've still got Pan's Labyrinth, and the patrons are voting on what they think our fourth Del Toro sh- movie should be. And hopefully we'll also get to discuss the amazing Nightmare Alley, which I hope you guys have seen by now. Um. Go, run, run and find that movie. It's awesome. Truth. Uh, guys, if you would like to vote and help us pick our final Del Toro flick, join us on Patreon. That's right, patreon.com slash Pod. The best way to help the show. The best way to get the show you want and deserve. We appreciate everything you guys do for us and all the support uh, that we receive. So thank you guys very much. The email, filmalchemistpod at gmail.com. The YouTube Film Alchemist. Find us on all the socials you're on. Make sure you leave those ratings and reviews wherever you find the show. Easy, fast, free way uh, to help us out. That is greatly appreciated. Uh, what a wonderful show this has been. Until next time for the Film Alchemist, I'm Josh Griffey. I am Alex Dandino.